Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. If you are brand new, we're so glad you found us. This is a place where real women share real stories of real hope and You have over 100 episodes now on this podcast of stories, and I hope you have found a a new favorite podcast and you go back and binge listen to all the amazing stories. For those of you who have been listening for a while, welcome back. My guest tonight is Melanie, and we got connected through another one of the Story Night speakers, which is always just such a fun way to connect with more women. It's it's a big tree, (laughs) family tree now of Story Night speakers. So thank you, Melanie, so much for being here. Before we start with your story, would you introduce yourself to the listeners. Absolutely. In a hundred podcasts, that's incredible. I'm Melanie Dobson, and I'm just so pleased to be here tonight. I am a novelist, and I love all things stories, so I'm super excited about this podcast. I have two girls. They're both teenagers, and my husband, John, works at the Bible Project, which is um, based here in Portland, where we live as well. So we're not too far from where you are, Jessica. I don't know if I knew that. Oh, really? I love the Bible Project. Aww. Yeah. Oh my goodness, ladies. If you have not tuned into the Bible Project or found it or watched their video, they are amazing. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. I recommend those all the time. We we watch them mm-hmm. anytime we start a new book with a with our ladies Bible study. We mm-hmm. watch those videos just as like a quick snapshot. I would I shared them with my teenage nieces of just a great way to understand with people who are brand new to the Bible and Christianity and kind of wondering what oh my goodness. Okay, I could, I could go on a whole tangent. I love it. <laughs> That's I love awesome. it. I love it. <laughs> he loves working there. He's been there 6 years. It's been oh such a blessing. Goodness. Yeah. So amazing. Fantastic. Such an incredible uh, work and such an incredible ministry. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we don't have, you know, men on the Story Night podcast, so I'll have to find out. <laughs> call them in. <laughs> yeah. We'll focus on your story for now. Okay. Um, but included within your story will be, well, how did you meet him and how did you grow your family and all of that? But we're going to really rewind the tape, go back to your childhood. And it's a pretty unique childhood, actually. You kind of grew up in an area that's different from, I think, any of the other speakers that have been on this podcast. So let's start and have you uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I grew up, actually, I was born in Illinois, right outside of Chicago. And my parents met in a really small town in Mount Vernon. They went to school. They both grew up in this tiny little town, but they didn't meet until after they graduated from high school. They knew who each other was, but they didn't meet until later. But my dad was an airline pilot. And so he was based outside of Chicago. And so that's where I was born and spent my first years. And then when I was about five years old, so kindergarten age, we moved back to the small town in Ohio because he was able to fly wherever he needed to go by just going to Columbus or Cleveland or whatever. And so we moved out into the country. He'd always wanted to live out in the country. And we moved out to this beautiful lake in Amish country. And so we were out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, But that's how I grew up. It was just life for me. You know, we'd be driving around with the buggies on the road and stop at the bakery for the pies. And a lot of our neighbors, you know, didn't have electricity. It was just the way that they did life. We had electricity. We weren't Amish, but that's where I grew up. 
And I was always a lover of story. Ever since I was little, I enjoyed stories. And so because we weren't near a town large enough to have a bookstore and the library was so far away, we'd have a bookmobile come out to our area once a week. And so I would take my little bicycle and I would pedal over there. It was about a mile away. It would come and I would fill up my basket with just loads and loads of books. And I would come back and I would read and read. And then I'd be back. The librarian was like my personal superhero, I call her. She was amazing. And she always had a fresh set of books just for me, I felt like. And so I would go and just uh, read all week. And so that's what I did a lot growing up. So here you are just absolutely falling in love with stories, mm-hmm. reading every book. You're kind of, you know, Belle from Beauty and the Beast, like uh, sort of, yeah. the library, just <laughs> like can't wait analogy. for more books. <laughs> that's awesome. And so that's, that kind of, you know, takes us a little bit through your, your childhood, but then now kind of looking into the, you know, maybe teen years or early 20 years, at what point, you know, was there further schooling? At what point did mm-hmm. um, your husband come into the picture? Yeah. So I went to school, I went to college in Virginia. Liberty University was the the name of that college. And I loved it. I absolutely adored being there. And I received a degree in journalism. I wasn't sure which direction I wanted to go with my writing. I knew I wanted to write. I started writing. In fact, I pulled this out for you. I I am your your listeners can't see it, but I'll show you since we're on Zoom. It's my my diary. I started when I was seven years old and I, you know, just started writing it when I was. My dad gave it to me when I was, I think in 1977, and I started keeping a diary back then. So I've always loved to write. And so I knew I would want to do something in the writing field, but I didn't know what it was. And so I went to school for journalism, worked in a newspaper for about a year uh, when I graduated, realized pretty quickly that that wasn't the the career I wanted to go into, even though I enjoyed part of it. But I found myself kind of wanting to embellish these stories. You know, you have a new story with all the basics and you really can't, shouldn't, absolutely not embellish a new story. And so I thought, oh, maybe this isn't my calling. And I went to graduate school in Virginia Beach. And then I was able to get a job at Focus on the Family, actually. It was my dream to live in Colorado Springs. And God just opened up this cool door for me to work in public relations out there. And I found out that um, public relations was a really good fit with my personality because I'm an ambivert. I am right down the line between intro and extrovert. And so I love people and then I love to go away and do my thing, you know, do my writing. And and so I was able to use um, both aspects of my personality to be able to do that job. And so I really, really enjoyed that. But I kept having this desire to write fiction, to tell stories and to pursue that a little bit more. But there was somebody in my life at the time that just communicated very strongly that uh, fiction was fiction was lies, that they were that it was just a, a bunch of lies and that somebody who was a Christian wouldn't pursue a career in fiction writing. And so I took that to heart. And for many years, I didn't pursue my desire and my dream to write fiction. And then it wasn't till pretty close before my 30th birthday that I really feel like God just showed me like that, that Jesus communicated in parables, right? He told us stories and there was a reason that he did that because we all see ourselves a little bit different in those stories and we can all learn from stories in different ways. 
And here we are 2000 years later and still reading the same stories that he told all those years ago and still being able to relate and grow and learn from those. And so it's just like this light bulb went off in my head. That was totally a God thing. And I just felt like, okay, I am a follower of Christ and Christ told stories. And so perhaps this dream and desire that he gave me is truly his dream and desire. And so that's about the time in my life that I started to get serious about pursuing my dream of fiction writing, which was also the same time that I met my husband in Colorado Springs. And we met, well, it was kind of a crazy story. I went to Liberty University and met some friends, Tasha and Kelly Williams, who eventually came out to Colorado Springs and we helped, I worked with them to start a church. So we started a church in Colorado Springs my husband, lived, John, lived in um, Charlotte, North Carolina at the time, and he was mutual friends with a college friend of ours. And so when she found out that he was moving to Colorado Springs, she was like, oh, you have to check out this new church that, that my friends are just starting. And so he came and visited and we were married uh, let's see. It was pretty quickly after that. It was less than a year after that. It was like, God's like, this is the guy. <laughs> and so I knew he was the one. Yeah. And so it was, it was really cool how he put all, how the Lord put all that together. But once we got married, John in particular was like, you know, God has given you this desire to write fiction. You're doing all this other type of writing and all these things. And by that time I had started to do freelance um, public relations. And he was like, if this is the desire and dream that God's given you, you really need to pursue it. And so he was super encouraging in that regard. And so I did, I started writing fiction and it took me a long time. It was a seven year process actually, by the time that I started to pursue it actively and the time my first novel came out, which was pretty, yeah, I, I just, I felt like it would happen a lot faster and God had so much to teach me. <laughs> I had so much to learn. And now in hindsight, I look back and think, oh, that's why it took so long, so many years for me to get published is because I had to learn so much, uh, so many skills that I've been able to put into practice in the years after that first novel came out. We definitely want to hear all that you've written, how to find you, all of those things. We'll kind of circle back to that and then hear more about your life after getting married. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned something that I'm ho hoping we can park on it just, just for a moment, that somebody sort of spoke incorrectly into your life. Mm -hmm. And really kind of derailing you for a time from a passion and a talent that was very God-given. Probably a lot of listeners at some point in their lives, they may have had somebody, maybe somebody with very good intentions who pointed them in the wrong direction. Yeah, this it was a sincere Christian who did that, somebody I respected quite a bit. And I think they think they thought they were right. You know, they thought that that uh, reading novels was sin and that uh, writing novels was sin because it was lie. They truly thought that. And since that's happened, I felt very alone, you know, as we often do at the time. But in hindsight, as I've shared my story, I hear that from a number of other people as well, that they, a number of other novelists in particular, whose dreams stalled, and it stalled sometimes for decades because they believed that lie as well. And now that I've been doing it, I've been publishing fiction now for oh, about 20 years. And I see how God has used story and you see that all the time as well in your profession, but it's just been so encouraging to me. Just, I feel like it's such a God gift that he continues just to show me how he uses 
stories. And yes, you know, novels are entertaining, just like the stories that Jesus told were entertaining, but they also can teach us so much as Christian novelists and as we write. And we learn from novels. And it's just been so encouraging to me too, to hear from readers that say, oh, this is what God showed me through the story that that I had written that I had no intention. Like that was not my intention at all. I'm like, really? I like look at the page and like, that's, I don't see where you see that, but that's the beauty of story is God, you know, we're faithful, those of us who are storytellers to communicate our story. And then he's faithful to, to meet those who hear them or read them and communicate his truth to them. And I think that's what one of the beautiful things about story, you just don't know how he's going to use those and and how he's going to change lives through story. Absolutely. And listeners, whether whether you've received maybe some advice or guidance that's related to becoming an author or something totally different, it's so important to just pray for that confirmation. If that is really, truly the message God is giving you through somebody else, he'll confirm it. And if something seems a little off or feels a little wrong, like it's okay to, you know, go get a second opinion or pray over it and and find out because again, sometimes those with the best of intentions and maybe what they believe, it, it, it might be actually pulling you away from what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I think there's a real, a very real enemy and we have this opposition to whatever it is that God's called us to do. I think there is always opposition, whatever that looks like. Like you said, it's not necessarily writing or storytelling, whatever that is. I think there's there's always going to be opposition to to use the gifts that God has given us. Well, you ended up finding an incredibly supportive mm-hmm. man and husband mm-hmm. who encouraged you and and you kind of got yourself going. And you certainly mentioned that there's like that waiting period, which can feel like an eternity. But when we always look back in hindsight, oh, okay, God, that's what you made me wait. That's what I had to learn. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so we've left off and you're getting into your writing career newlywed in Colorado and the sort of two paths in front of you becoming a mother and becoming a published author. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, becoming a wife, you know, that was, I was almost 30 when we got married. And so that was huge because I'd been so focused on my career up until then. And my husband, like I said, he works at Bible Project now, but he worked in computer animation in that industry for a long time. And once we got married, we started this crazy journey of a lot of travel. And so his job took us to all over the East Coast, took us to Berlin, Germany for a season, took us to Los Angeles. We were all over the place. But our hearts, both of us had a real heart's desire as well to have kids. That was that was something we really desired. In 2003, so exactly 20 years ago, we uh, we took a backpacking journey together to Europe. It was our fifth anniversary and we backpacked all over for a month and we came home from that. And right before we left, we had finished up our paperwork to adopt a, a baby. And we didn't know what that looked like, but we felt really strongly that that's the direction that God wanted us to go. And we got back from Europe and we got a call from the agency, the adoption agency. And they said, we have birth mother who has, it was, it was the kind of agency where the the biological mom chooses you. They, she looks at the number of albums and she felt like she connected with us as a family through our album. And they said, she'd like to meet you and she's due to have a baby tomorrow. <laughs> and so, and so we just laughed. Oh, she was a little, I know she was, she was a little overdue, thankfully. And so. 
but we became, I mean, we became instant parents. It was kind of like on this whirlwind journey, we come back. I mean, thank God we had gotten back in time because if not, we would have missed the call and, you know, all of that. We just, God's timing was incredible through that whole situation. And so we came back from Europe and became parents <laughs> right away. And then about three months later, we received a phone call. I received a phone call from a young woman who I used to babysit when she was little. And she said, hey, I heard that you just adopted Carly. Carly is the name of our, our um, oldest daughter. And she said, I heard you adopted Carly and I'm pregnant and I'm not able to keep this baby. And she's like, would you be interested in adopting my baby too? Right. Who does that? And so it was kind of like, let me pray about it. Yes. <laughs> it was so it was just such confirmation. Of course, I called my husband who said the same thing. Of course, you know, Yes. And it's just God's timing. And he just put it all together. And so within a year, we were the parents of two babies. And we also, he had taken a job offer in New Zealand, in Auckland. And so we were just waiting for Kiki, Kiki's our youngest daughter. We were waiting for Kiki to be born. And then we were going to get on a plane and finalize the adoption in Auckland, in New Zealand. And the day our house closed, um, we had purchased a home. The day our house closed, the job offer fell through because their contract fell through. So we'd already shipped all of our stuff to Auckland. We were on the way to New Zealand. Everything fell through. And so all of a sudden, and I had I had resigned my job and then John was going to take this job so we could take care of these two new kiddos. And so all of a sudden we went from, we say, dual incomes, no kids, stinks to dual kids, no income. <laughs> So like overnight and we're like, all right, you know, what do we do? We have no home. Now we have two kids and no job. And so that just became this new, whole new season of us learning to trust and rebuilding our family. And of course, God used it in amazing ways. But that was, yeah, that would have been 2004. So 19 years ago now. Oh my gosh. I'm just... I'm still I'm still kind of like having whiplash over here listening to to that. That is that is a very extreme life change in a very short amount of time. And I I don't want to rush past the the fact that you had really two miracle babies through adoption right away. And and for anybody listening who has never walked through the adoption process or walked alongside a friend through the adoption process, please don't get the idea that that's normal. Like that's very, that's just, that's just God. There's no other way to, to put that. Most people who have shared their adoption stories with me, I mean, it's years, years of, of waiting and whether that's waiting for a domestic birth mother match or whether that's waiting for an international adoption and paperwork and fundraising. I mean, there's so many, so many different hurdles that most people have to go through yeah. for that. These two children just fell in your lap instantly. It was pretty, it was very unexpected, <laughs> very unexpected. And it was just like, God made it super clear for us that these were our kids that we no were kidding. supposed to adopt. And we, and we yeah. haven't, you know, I, we, those are our two children. We haven't ha adopted any more kids or had any more biological kids, but they, they grew up, you know, right. You know, 11 months apart. <laughs> so side by side. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Now, before we kind of pick up your story so that we don't, you know, totally leave you homeless and jobless with two children. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, just because I know that, I mean, there are so many women who are maybe looking at adoption or thinking about it, or it may be part of their story. And a, a lot of women get to that point 
through an infertility journey. And a lot of women get to that point because even if infertility is not part of their story, but they're feeling this call to build their family in that way, whether they are going to build their family through adoption only, or they're going to build their family through natural birth and adoption. So I don't know if you just for a moment would be willing to share how how you got to that point of like, this is this is how we build our family. And if there's mm-hmm. any, just a quick word of encouragement or hope for women who are wondering if that's going to be part of their story. Yeah, I do feel it's very much a calling. And I knew that I would probably adopt children at some point in my life from the time I was young. My cousin, my favorite cousin, who was my best buddy um, growing up, she was adopted. And so I was super familiar with that journey. It wasn't unusual in our family because of that. And so when John and I were married, we both knew that at some point we would adopt And then five years into our marriage, when we um, weren't able to have biological kids, we just knew, we just felt like, all right, this this God's clearly called us to this and we haven't had biological children. And so this is the time for us to pursue that. And so it wasn't, we didn't spend a lot, I have friends that have agonized over it and gone back and forth and aren't quite sure. But for us, it was a very clear call. It was one of those calls that we, we, it was like, we didn't hear God's audible voice, but it was one of those situations where we absolutely knew that that was the path that he had set up out for us. And then when the girl called that I used to babysit. And of course that, like you said, it's like, this is such an unusual journey. And if I had known what was going to happen a couple months later with our jobs and just how all the um, upheaval that we would go through as a family, I mean, it's possible. I would have said no. And like how this seems like an impossible situation, but we didn't know about what was to come. We only knew what was today and knew that, that this was clearly what God had for us. And boy, in hindsight, are we, and you know, it's adoption as any mom journey, there's definitely challenges. And that's certainly been the case in our family, but we are so grateful that we said yes, you know, to that call. It's such a beautiful call. And, and what a blessing that you and your husband were in, in agreement on that and were able to move forward. And clearly God confirmed the call <laughs> with, with your he did. Yeah, it's like, okay, just in case there was any doubt, here we go. <laughs> well, all right. So now at some point you figured out jobs and a home and, and all, of the, all of these things. <laughs> we, we, we weren't homeless forever. Yeah, <laughs> it was a temper. Yeah, we, like I said, we were on our way to, to um, New Zealand. So really huge change. And we're kind of adventurers. We like that sort of thing. But that wasn't to be, that wasn't where God had us. Um, we thought that's where we were supposed to be in our path. We were, in a, it was a really hard place actually. And our pastor was very said, you know, sometimes God takes us down a long hallway thinking that we're supposed to go this direction. And really he needs us to go this, you know, a different way. It's a different window open for us. And so it it was, we had to sell our house. We had to do these things that we never would have done if we hadn't thought that we were headed to New Zealand. But then he took us on this journey. We ended up in let's see, where did we go first? We were in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then we were in Ohio. And I ended up with adrenal fatigue. Uh, No surprise there, right? (laughs) With all the changes in our life. And so I had to figure out, yeah, just medically and homeopathically and just what that looked like spiritually and just how all these life changes impact your body. And I remember sitting down with, I went to see a chiropractor who was really great at nutritional health. And I remember him saying, I said, you know, yeah, we've had these hard things, but here, you know, I just had gotten my first novel contract. I, we've just adopted two babies. You know, here are all the good things happening in my life. 
And he said, listen, I mean, that's fantastic. But he was like, it's still stress. And all stress is still stress. <laughs> Good stress is still stress. And your body is just having too much stress. And so I had to pull back as far as like a little bit with my job and then take some big steps to help heal that. And around that time, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but around that time, then John was offered a job in Berlin, Germany, place we'd never been before. And so what do you do <laughs> when you have all these things happening and you have two babies, you say, okay, let's go to Germany. And so we did, it was a great job and we, it was actually perfect, you know, for us to just, we wouldn't have done it if we had, had still had the house and still had our jobs in Colorado Springs. And so he took us to Germany. And I feel like that season like solidified us as a family. This was pre, I mean, we had the internet, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like where, where it is today and not able to make phone calls. I mean, there just wasn't, weren't all the distractions there in that place. And so I was able just to settle in and just love on my girls. And we didn't have a car. So I had the two, two seat stroller thing that I was taking on and off. We had a train station right by our little flat. We were in the former East side. So we were right by Dietrich Bonhoeffer's church, actually, which I thought was really cool. We'd walk by there every day and, and get on the train. And we had all these wonderful adventures and it was just, just what we needed as a family. And then it opened up a whole lot of really other amazing doors. And so that's what we did. And then ended up in Los Angeles uh, for about nine months and realized that that we needed something a little bit more permanent now that the girls were, you know, about three and four. And, and so God opened up a door for John to come have a permanent job up here in Portland. And so we came up here and now we've been here for 16 years almost. It's hard to believe so we just say it was, it was my desire having moved around a little bit as, as a youngster is that my kids would have some stability through their, through their grade school years. And now my youngest is getting ready to graduate from high school in June. And so they've been in the same school district for their whole life, which I think has been for me, it, it was important for them to have. What a blessing. And while you are in the process of, you know, raising raising your girls through their adolescence and their teen years and school and everything. You have been working as an author hmm. the whole time. Yeah. Tell us a little bit of where you are now with your work in writing. Sure. Yeah. So I I put aside my public relations work, even though I loved it because I just couldn't care for my two girls. But PR, especially at that time, this was mostly pre-email, was um, by phone. And it was just, uh, I, could, I had to be on call all the time and I couldn't do that well. And so God opened up the door then for me to pursue this dream of writing. And so I was able to write during nap times and, you know, when they were going to bed at seven o'clock at night or whatever, I could write. And I was able to kind of work my writing around their schedule. And I had a mommy's helper come in a couple of days a week and just was able to to make make that happen. And it just was exactly what I needed to be able to have that outlet, that creativity and be able to use that gift while still remaining flexible to be able to care for my my kiddos. And so I've been able to do that ever since. And of course, sometimes there's deadlines and John and I team up frequently 
to be able to um, both of us do our jobs, but my job is the most flexible of both of ours. And I've been really grateful to be able to do that. Now with my job now, some of it involves travel and I get to go do research. I've, I've published now almost 30 novels. And so I get to go different places to do, do these research trips, which I love because I love to travel. And so, you know, he'll take the kids for the week. Uh, he'll be full-time dad and I'll be off to wherever I need to go to do research. And so that's for me is super life-giving. And then I'm able to come back and, and jump right back in as mom. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I don't want to leave the listeners hanging too long because I'm sure now they're going, oh, where do we get these books? What kind of books has she written? <laughs> is there a website or do we go on Amazon? Uh, maybe, yeah, tell tell the listeners how they can read your stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My website's just my name, Melanie Dobson, M-E-L-A-N-I-E-D-O-B-S-O-N.com. And just to clarify, I'm not related to James Dobson of Focus on the Family. <laughs> That's usually the question people ask. I worked at Focus before I married my husband. And ironically, his dad is James Dobson and his grandfather is Dr. James Dobson and his brother is James Dobson and his nephew is Dr. James Dobson. So it's, <laughs> it's a little confusing, but MelanieDobson.com. And then my books can be found on Amazon or at local bookstores. I write everything from, I do a lot of historical fiction. I've written some contemporary, some biblical fiction. I just finished a book on Hagar that's getting ready to come out and her story. And I do what's called time slip fiction. And so those are stories where there is a past and a present plot. And so there's two different plots and they kind of weave themselves together. So usually it's some sort of family mystery or something that's happened long ago. Catching the Wind was one of my novels where... I had a little girl and a little boy actually in Germany. And again, that, you know, we live there. And so that was super helpful later on as I'm writing stories. And so this little boy and this little girl are escaping during World War II era um, from Germany and end up in England. And then the little girl gets lost. And so she's off. And so he basically spends much of his life trying to find out what happened to her. And so in the time slip story, like Catching the Wind, then I've got a contemporary plot where I have people trying to find out as well what happened to her. And so you're learning the past story at the same time you're learning the present story. And then, of course, at the end, you find out whatever the mystery was gets solved. And so that's my favorite kind. I love I love looking at legacy and at generation, especially secrets that families keep and um, and then how that impacts generations, you know, through the decades. And then how people in the contemporary era can then go back and find out what really happened. And usually that involves giving family members grace and forgiveness and then reconciliation, which is where my heart is. Well, I know you've published so many more novels, even than just a little bit of what you've <laughs> shared with us. But with that teaser, I hope listeners, you are maybe interested in picking up some of these novels, reading, especially focusing on that grace and that reconciliation. Such, such wonderful, wonderful things. As always, we'll have the website links and anything you might need in the episode notes. You can grab those there. But as we start to wrap up here, Melanie, I was wondering if you could just maybe give a word of hope, a word of encouragement to ladies who might be maybe not necessarily wanting to become authors specifically, but are just on that search, maybe in that that waiting period of fulfilling her dream. Yeah. Oh, I love that. One of the favorite things I like to write about are ordinary people who do extraordinary things. 
And I think really just my encouragement would be to be faithful to whatever it is that God has called you to do. If you don't know for sure what that is, just pray and ask the Lord what he has for your life. But I think most of us have some sort of spark or dream or desire that he's given us. And what does that look like in your life to be faithful? And it's maybe small things and it may be a waiting time, especially if you have littles. I remember when my kids were so young and feeling like, oh, I want to spend, you know, five hours today writing and I got 10 minutes or whatever, you know, because things are interrupted. Um, those things happen. And just being able to give yourself and ourselves, myself, lots of grace, I think is really important. So so prayer, being available for opportunities, and then just being faithful to whatever God puts in your way, because he'll bring things your way. He'll bring like our little girls that he brought to us. He brings things and just being available and, and willing and open to listen to his voice. He definitely does bring things your way. And probably my favorite phrase that you've said is that ordinary women can do extraordinary things. That ties in with the story night ministry and purpose so much because there are many, many, many times where ladies will tell me, well, I don't really have a story. I don't really have a story. They don't think of their life story as anything majorly dramatic. And so people will kind of mistakenly equate high drama and a high and high intensity with value. And so it's this like, well, I can't be an extraordinary person if I don't have this extraordinary, crazy, shocking, whatever story. And if you have listened to the 100 plus episodes, then you know that the stories, they vary. We have some really, really dramatic stories. And we also have some stories that are quieter and more quote unquote everyday life. And they all have value to them and they all have hope in them and they all are important to share. So I love that. So ladies, you may think you're ordinary, <laughs> but ordinary people are doing extraordinary things. Just read the Bible. That's kind of like every, <laughs> every all over the Bible. <laughs> it's like, yeah, pretty much. It could all be summed up that way. Well, as we, as we close, I would like to ask for you to pray for the listeners. Oh, absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. Lord Jesus, I am just so grateful for this opportunity tonight to be able to talk to Jessica. Thank you, Lord, for just the gifts that you've given each one of us. You've just been so gracious with all the blessings that you've given us. I pray for myself and everyone listening that we would just be able to, first of all, just be grateful, big and small, for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you so much for for gifting us each uniquely and um, with different opportunities to reach out and show other people your love in whatever place that you have us. Thank you that you want to use us in that you're shaping us and that you are opening doors in the future. We don't always see what's next. And sometimes that's a good thing. And <laughs> sometimes we wish that we would be able to see what's next for us, but I just pray, Lord, that we would be faithful every single day when we wake up to pursue what you would have us and be open to those opportunities and to be consistently listening to your still small voice that it would be clear to us and we wouldn't be wouldn't be in doubt about what you are asking us or showing us or gently nudging us to do, but that we would pursue that. We love you so much and just so grateful for every listener today. And please bless Jessica and her family as well. In Jesus name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you so much, Melanie. Thank you for taking time to share your story with us, not just your own life story, but the stories um, that you're writing. I think it's pretty awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And ladies, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you were blessed and encouraged. We hope you come back next time for our next story and hopefully have landed on a podcast that's going to continue to bring hope into your life. Thanks so much. Good night, y'all. The Story Night Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women. Women.